Greetings, everyone, and before I begin ranting and raving incoherently, I thought I'd tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need to do it all in one place. And believe me, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone. And when you host through Anchor, you can distribute your podcast through listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and even more. It has everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, it's free. That's right, Anchor is free, and who does not like free? So if you're interested or you want to make your podcast today, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another Ludicrous Car Review, and more importantly, the Ludicrous Car of the Month. That's right, we're approaching the end of the month and going into October. It's, for me at least, it's getting to get cold around where I'm at. Unfortunately, that means sooner or later, well, let's just say both my new cars will have to go in storage. Yep, my Daytona and that's probably going to have to head in there, as well as my Firebird eventually at some point. But, um, well, that aside, we have more important things to get through today. More importantly, the ludicrous car of the month, as I just mentioned. So, I, uh, let's just say I had a lot of thought put into this one. Because I decided I was going to pick something hideous, let's just say. Let's just say the last few crazy cars have been, well, rather monotone. Basically, I've covered things like firebirds and normal cars, just covering the history of them. And that's fine and dandy, but the problem is, well... Let's just say they're not exactly crazy now, are they? So I decided to pick a car that is pretty much legendary for being so damn hideous that it literally put an entire company practically out of business. Now, I get it wasn't single-handedly the reason, and this certain company was floundering quite a ways before that. But that being said, it certainly did not help to revive the company, that's for darn sure. Now, there have been a cacophony of hideous cars in the past, like Yugos and gremlins and more famously the pacer and that but this car well more recently i should say the juke i should say is probably the hideous car made recent to memory but that being said there was a car just before the juke that definitely took the place as being one of the most hideous cars ever made and if you ever look at the worst cars ever built it definitely always takes a spot somewhere on this list because by far it was the most disappointing pile of junk ever produced any car known to man. It looked hideous, performed like crap, and while comfort was, I guess, somewhat optimal, it had about as much body roll to knock over a skyscraper. If you do not know what I'm talking about, it's from a certain Pontiac brand, and now I'm sure you have an idea. Today we're going to be discussing the Pontiac Aztec, the car that sank Pontiac. So to start with, let's go into some history, if you will, of the car. Now, I guess I should probably go, though, first before I get into history of the car, because let's face it, it's rather abysmal. The fact is that, well, I just wanted to avoid discussing the looks of the car, but let's get that out of the way first, because let's face it, the car is something special to look at, let us just say that. So the Pontiac Aztec is, well... The most Frankensteinish vehicle I think that's been rolled out in the assembly line. It's got a weird ass front end that looks like it's, well, 
a smaller flat car is glued on top of a big fat minivan. The side of the car is, well, about you'd expect it. Half of it is literally built out of plastic, and the rest of the car looks like it's a mixture between a sedan and a stretched out minivan and the back end looks like it was supposed to be a car but then realized it was too long and decided to chop half its ass off that's right people it is just hideous there's no other way to describe it so to start with the front end the front end has something rather peculiar going on because it almost looks like they forgot there was two cars or they were designing two cars and decided to mush the two together Due to its weird design, it has a sort of a weird front end where the hood comes over, has two baby headlights next to it, and a very small grill opening. And then this car splits in half on a very large grill in the middle, and then goes down to a larger grill down below, which has two very large headlights next to it, making you think that this would be where the hood opens. But not quite. It opens up down below to that one, which I don't get it. It has this weird four-grill thing going on, which... I get that we're trying to stick with their egg crate design, which made Pontiac famous, but by God, this looks hideous. Honestly, there's not much to say about the front end. It looks like it's supposed to be a crossover, but then it turns into a minivan, then turns into a car, then realizes it's neither, and just turns into nothing. This front end is by far one of the ugliest front ends I think I've ever seen, other than maybe the Juke. It definitely puts up a stiff competition for that's for damn sure. From the sides, we move on to... Um... Let's just say they went a little overboard with going cheap. Now, at this time, Pontiac, or pretty much GM as a whole, was struggling with, well, producing quality vehicles. Now, they did have some gems coming out to try to salvage this. Things like my, well, our family's old Yukon, for example, was produced around this time. And it was a good workhorse and definitely stood up for a while. But let's face facts here. Pretty much 90% of the other cars were like this. Plastic piles of junk. That's right, half the cars were plastic and even said so in the first model year. The thing was literally just a black bottom underneath the car. Later on, they would simply just paint this, but it would not change the fact that the entire bottom half of the car was plastic. I guess in the end, the one advantage to it was you didn't have to worry about GM's signature rust belt around your car. That's for dang sure. <laughs> And from the top end, it looks rather mundane, at least until you get to the rear end of the car and realize it has a weird-ass C-pillar that almost makes absolutely no bloody sense. It curves down the car in a weird shape that um, just looks awkward as hell, including to the fact that it kind of doesn't slope down. It just sort of reaches the end of the car, and then it just stops. It's like, well, well that's the end of our design, and then it just do a straight line down. That's it. No body lines, no contours, no indication that you are moving it. Just no just box end down the front. And another weird quirk on the side of the car is the fact that there is no lid on the gas tank. Now, but it just sits out there in the open, just for no reason whatsoever. Just too lazy to put a gas cap on the car, and just reasons beyond me. I guess streamline it. Nah, save money where you can. Save that $10 gas lid and you save the company, I guess. Anyways, going to the rear of the car, this is where something gets certainly special. The interior of this car is... Back into this car as well. A car, I guess, is the only way to say it. It's just a big box in the front end. They, they just chopped off the rear end of the car and that was that. Nothing special, nothing interesting, just... Yeah, just chopped off the back. Pretty much what it was. It's got this weird kind of wing, I guess, in the middle of it that, I guess... It's supposed to look cool. It reaches on the top part of where the car cuts its butt off, but, you know, there it is. It's got the weird slope roof line where it looks like it's supposed to go down. I don't know what it's supposed to be. It almost looks like the car should be dropped another five feet and made into a sedan, but it just makes a weird, weird look. 
uh, looking from the top view, um, there's a lot of glass on the top of the roof. I guess I was supposed to look sporty and styling and futuristic, but yeah. Overall, the car just looks, to plainly put it, hideous. There were some quirky features in the car, I guess that did make it interesting. Now, mind you, they were trying to sell this to the younger, outdoorsy crowd. Yeah, don't ask me why. The car was not built for that in the slightest. Now, get into the power numbers in a bit. But anyways, um, it had an interesting feature upon which you could fold the back end out, and it had seats on the bottom folding part, where you had a cup holders and two cutouts for a seat on your back tailgate. I guess they thought people would be sitting out there and, I don't know, enjoying the great outdoors, but... It even had an option for a radio in the back section where you could control your radio dials from the back there. Again, I'm not quite sure who they thought would be using it for that purpose. I guess it's kind of cool, I guess, if you're tailgating, but I mean, I don't know. The purpose, just beyond me. Another quirky feature of this thing is the center console of this car. I haven't gotten to the interior yet, but I get this out of the way, but the interior of the car actually had a pretty apparently decent cooler in the side that actually fit quite a few bottles of water or maybe cans of cans of soda and actually kept it pretty damn cold apparently I mean, this is kind of the only positive feature i can think in this car kind of cool got a center console that pops out and you can walk around with a cooler honestly it's the only redeeming feature in this piece of shit anyways part of my french the fact is is that the car was just terrible and this is funny coming from tom peters the man who would later end up designing the chevrolet corvette c7 a pretty damn good looking car personally to be honest i'm not quite sure what he was thinking when he designed this vehicle most likely well what pontiac was always having to think of gm was basically just taking a cacophony of other parts from pretty much every other brand out there and just sort of meshing that to produce this pile of junk they were taking the platform body of their minivan the engine off of some other pile of junk honestly i can't think it is i think if i remember right the engine on this car is rather piddly um it was pretty much ripped out of every other car section of the thing i don't know to be honest the car very much underperformed and lacked any power whatsoever the Pontiac Aztec will apparently have a 0 to 60 time, probably similar to my old, um, probably my old Saturn. It was very much underpowered and very disappointing. Power numbers are only 185 horsepower coming from a 3.4 liter V6. 0 to 60 was supposedly 8.7 to 9.6 seconds. I'm thinking leaning more than 9.6, maybe even 10 seconds. Highway miles was 19 in the city and 26 miles per gallon. Overall, the car was just weird as far as that goes i mean it was just drastically underpowered and getting into the interior let's just say it does not improve at all the interior looks like any other stripped down early 90s even piece of junk the fan the weird fan vents are like just stuck up on the top dash to make it look kind of cooler but the bottom section is just it looks like the steering wheel is kind of plastered on there almost like a toy car almost it's just ah just ugly as all hell on top of that the other quirk on the rear inside of this car was the fact that you could not fold down that center console seat no it would fold down as one whole bench meaning that the car actually essentially just became a two-seater at that point another freaking horrible design flaw and even this end this is the seats did not even sit flush it would just flop down and there was a big bump on the hump inside of your car that being said the car did have a decent amount of interior room i'll give it that considering the fact it was built on its minivan platform which is the only redeeming quality of a minivan and if it did lose this the car would truly become a useless pile of junk but all that aside 
the car in the end was supposed to save Pontiac. And upon its unveiling, they were thinking it would appeal to a much younger crowd, a hipper crowd, because at this time, Pontiac was struggling. I mean, GM in general was not going through a good phase. Not that GM has gone through a good phase in like 30 years, but overall, the car brand, especially Pontiac, was struggling and obviously, as we all know, would later end up getting axed. The fact is, is that Pontiac was struggling with pretty much everything. Their Firebirds were pretty much dying off at this point, and other than a couple other odd odds and end cars like Bonnevilles and such, they didn't really have much else to offer people, and people weren't buying them. Pontiac had long since been stripped of its muscle car heritage and was pretty much going for quirks at this time. Every car they pretty much made had at least some kind of quirky aspect to it to try to get people to buy them because let's just face it most of them are just rebadged or rebranded chevy options from other cars for example like for a firebird the famous firebird while it always been partially a camaro on the inside it pretty much is just a slightly restyled body lined camaro it didn't offer any special engine options or anything really that unique so overall like i said pontiac was struggling and this was their real attempt to try to well, offer something more to the market. Make it realize to GM that it was not more than just, well, wasted space. Unfortunately, this would not be the case, and is probably attributed to one of the major aspects as to why Pontiac, in the end, would end up dying, along with several other brands of General Motors. So to start with, there were a few options in this car as well that I forgot to mention. Again, like I said, they were trying to sell this as an off-road vehicle, but the performance of it, like I said, was severely lacking. The body roll on the car made it almost unbearable around turns, and while it did offer a front engine, or front engine, a front wheel or an all-wheel drive option, again, the Pontiac Aztec was just so disappointing in the power category that there was no real off-roading to be done, other than maybe a light dirt trail that was pretty much all it could handle. And I'm sure it had plenty of cargo space for miles. I mean, 94 cubic feet ain't nothing to sneeze at, but that was about all it was really worth, a giant cargo hauler. In the end, the car would end up being named by Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Dan Neely as one of the 50 worst cars of all times. Honestly, validated one of the principal rules of car designs. We like cars that look like us with the multiple eyes and subnumerary nostrils, the asterisk looks deformed and scary. Something like that dogs bark at and <laughs> cathedral employees ring bells. Uh, the shame is under the uh, <laughs> all that ugliness. There is was a useful, competent crossover. And honestly, that would define the pile of junk by Dan Neal. Yes, there was some competency to it. And honestly, compared to the monotone piles of junk being produced nowadays, especially from General Motors, at least it tried to design something, but my god, as it stated, it truly was something hideous. So let's get into some of the history of the Aztec, shall we? So to start off with, it was first shown to the public in 1999. The Pontiac Aztec was... A concept car, and overall seemed to be pretty well received. It featured extreme futuristic styling, though, to be honest, it would maybe go a little too far. It tried to appeal to the Gen X buyer demographic that seemed to be a bit more outdoorsy, a little bit more utilitarian, but let's just say it would fail in all these categories. In the end, the Aztec would end up going on sale in the summer of 2000 as a 2021 model. The production edition of the Aztec was launched with the tagline, quite possibly the most versatile vehicle on the planet. 
Um, might be selling yourself a little high there, my friends. Just a wee bit. So overall, the car apparently didn't sell too bad to start with. But um, there were some issues, let's just say, to start. Ultimately, the Aztec was uh, ended up being criticized for selling. No surprise. Mickey Cowles described the Aztec as having awkwardly empty and square front wheels and wheel wells, and gratuitous, fierce, animalistic snout, which may have been what prompted GM executive Bob Lutz to famously say that many of the company's products looked like angry kitchen appliances. A pretty accurate description, I would say, my friend. The fact is, is that the Aztec was struggling right out the gate. The car was pretty much known as being, well, hideous. And the fact that the wheels on the first edition, as well as the ugly black plastic, was a weird front-ass spoke design with only three spokes on the wheels that looked hideous as hell as well. From the tires to the whole body lines, just to the plastic on the vehicle, it just was not going well at all. Well, like I said, there were some notable features in the car. The honestly fact of the matter is, is that the car was pretty much lacking in everything. Sales for the 20,000 model year was only totaling 11,000 units. A big disappointment for them, and 2001 would see a bit of a jump, and would mean around 27,000 units, all the way up until about 2004 when it dropped 20,000. And this is where shit began to hit the fan. But Azteca had pretty much been struggling. 27,000 units is not nearly enough for a crossover attempting to revive a car brand. In fact, it was a, pretty much a massive disappointment and would struggle kind of make its own money back. By 2005, they had dropped to 5,000 units. In 2006, they only produced a whopping 347. By 2007, the car being axed only sold about 69 units. Overall, the reception was terrible. GM forecasted sales of 75 units per year and needed to produce 30,000 annually to break even, but in the end they would not even crack that number, only reaching about a maximum of 27,793 units in 2002. Pretty much, they couldn't even break even on the vehicle. It was struggling, and to be honest, didn't really stand much of a chance to anybody else. And the Gen N X audience, the people they were gearing everything for, it didn't like it at all. Audience and price significantly higher than other competitors. After the 2020 model years, the GTM, the GT model was dropped completely and pricing was slashed, but it still did not help. While it did boost sales a bit, it still could not crack that 30,000 unit number and in the end would struggle throughout the entire existence. The car featured was in a few different shows overall nothing really special a dark angel apparently was featured in one um but to be honest it would only see its peak in 2008 and it would begin to be getting to kind of accumulate a cult following because of this in 2008 it was featured in the show breaking bad apparently it was um it kind of fit the character and the mood it was kind of driving into the scene. It was pretty bad, honestly, and it kind of fit the character. And Aztecs, while being piles of junk, have began to see some sort of revival lately. I know it is terrible. And they did attempt to cross this thing over to try to appeal to more audience, producing the Buick Rendezvous, which looked better but was still a steaming pile of junk. The fact remains that in the end, Aztec would be cut in its final amount of the year. And the final year overall was in 2005, and it didn't really see any major changes throughout all this time because, well, the car only existed for a whopping maybe five, six years. Not nearly enough to condone 
pretty much anything. So overall, in the end, the Aztec goes down in history as being one of the ugliest, most useless, and in the end, probably one of the most terrible cars ever built. And in the end, this would probably also ruin Pontiac's reputation entirely and flush what little hope they had for a future down the tubes with it. They hoped to stake this thing as 75,000 units a year to boost Pontiac sales and bring them into the next millennia and hopefully keep the company afloat. But in the end, this abysmal performance, along with its other lacking sales categories, would mean that later on in 2008 and then, they would end up being cut from Pontiac's lineup entirely. In the end, it is known as one of the cars that sank an entire car brand and would be left up to a few handful of people to try to revive it. Like I said, they are trying to bring this thing back into the hip. And while the car does have some interesting features, including like blow-up beds that can fit inside and weird tent features and the cooler and all that, overall the car is still a Pontiac Aztec and is still one of the ugliest piles of junk ever to roll off an assembly line. Only competing with that, maybe, is the Juke, or something like the Pacer. But to be honest, this is a whole new pile of junk. While the Pacer kind of has a cult following, and the Juke as well, at least one can argue maybe it'll look better in the future, the Aztec hasn't grown well when it started, and it certainly hasn't aged well at all. Overall, the Pontiac Aztec goes down in history as one of the worst piles of junks and biggest mistakes in automotive history. And with that out of the way, let's move on to at least a little bit of news before we hit the road, shall we? So to start off with the news, we have um, some big news coming out of GM. They are on loose leash. Yeah. yeah, I actually spoke well for the first 20 minutes. Now I'm falling apart. Anyways, for the first year, they have announced their 2023 Ford Super Duty. And honestly, I have conflicting feelings. While I will probably do a full video on this a little, little later, the fact is, just the first impressions, at least from the grill I've seen, while they have a whole suite of technology packages being offered, yeah, I think I'll do this as a review. I'll cover that all section. But for now, the front end of the car looks a little conflicting. I'm not quite sure why it has so many bars on the front to make the thing look like, um... Is trying to compete with the General Motors in the front-end category, but nevertheless, there it is. To be honest, the car doesn't look horrible, but I don't know. It's a little disappointing. Overall, there's not really a whole lot of news to cover. Oh, here's something interesting. BMW has announced their XM edition. No, it is not produced by Sirius. And the M's first bespoke SUV, and apparently it has a whopping 644 horsepower. I'm getting to like this whole thing. If we're going to be producing crummy SUVs, at least put something exciting in the darn things. Honestly, it's at least exciting to see somebody trying to do something with these things. In other words, news, um, the all-new Volvo EX90, the flagship SUV that they're going to be introducing is basically um, introducing something I haven't seen since the 40s. They're producing, at least from the concept pictures I've seen, suicide doors. We'll see if this actually sticks around, but to be honest, I don't see it sticking. That just never does. Another important news that you might want to pay attention to if you happen to own a Kia Telluride, Sorento, Sportage, and a Hyundai Palisade. 
Nakia and these Hondais have been struggling with um, certain fire risks. And there is a fire risk recall on these cars as well that I think you might all want to pay attention to. Apparently, an electrical short from the defect on the four-pin toilet connector harness for the Kia and Hyundai CVs can catch fire even when they are off and parked. I mean, basically, they could just decide to suddenly burst your car into flame. These vehicles are affected in a few different cars, so if you might want to keep an eye out for any kind of returns, or if you do happen to have one of these, maybe call in and, um, to your local Kia and or Honda dealership and make sure you don't have something that's going to perhaps light your garage on fire. You wouldn't want to get out there and discover a smoldering pile of wreck where your car should be. That's probably not a good thing at all. And more funny news from Ford. You know how there was supply shortages and that? Some like thought of it was chip shortages and that, but the more interesting shortage that prevented them apparently from shipping quite a few cars was they ran out of badges. That's right, the blue oval was missing from a lot of cars, and they basically sat until they could get these blue ovals attached. Obviously, going out and sending out cars without your well, signature brand logo is probably not the best idea and probably should be on there. Honestly, I can this is probably one of the more funnier supply shortages I've ever seen because, like I said, normally it's electrical components or big fancy equipment, but, um, yeah, no, this is probably one of the more interesting bits. I mean, out of all the things to miss, I think you'd have the ovals. They'd have that in millions of years in time. I don't think the logo has changed in, like, ever. Maybe produce them a couple million of them ahead of time. I don't know. Anyways, in other news, Challenger gets one more edition. Now, as I mentioned before, this is the last year Challenger, so if you're interested in buying one, maybe this is the car you might want to look at. This Dodge Challenger honors one of Detroit's most mysterious 70s muscle cars. This car is black and features a lot of the same styling cues as the old cars from the 60s. The infamous Black Ghost Challenger is a reincarnation of the car featuring an 807 horsepower special edition. The Ghost is apparently one of the last calls of these things. A little sad, I guess. But the mysterious 1970 Black Challenger, aptly named the Black Ghost, the original muscle car occasionally prowled Detroit's Woodward Avenue about 50 years ago in or made passes at industrial streets. Apparently, the person who drove this car was actually a police officer, and he would just spend his time, apparently, going out and hanging around with the youngsters and maybe drag racing along with them. Not exactly what you think a cop to be doing. Apparently, this was originally the only 300 Black Ghost Challenger SRT Hellcats wide bodies are to be produced. And if you want one, you might want to get in there pretty dang soon because they're probably going to go pretty fast. And overall, the car does look pretty cool. It's got the old white stripe you see in the back, the old racing stripe. One of the things I really enjoy is, first of all, they have alligator skin on the top. Apparently, the original had the Lando top on the top of this, and they kind of copy that with an alligator-style top on the very top roof of the car. But also, I like the fact that they include the old Dodge logo. The 70s Dodgers always had the badging on the top front of the part of the hood and they've actually included this as well which i think actually looks pretty dang cool and to be honest i kind of wish they'd done that from the very start it definitely definitely makes the car stand out quite a bit and makes it kind of almost look classy if you will so overall that's kind of all the news i got for you today it wasn't really a whole lot and to be honest i honestly could have spent another four hours probably ranting and raving about the hideousness of the aztec and kind of pissed about how it sank pontiac but overall yeah it is what it is. I mean, Pontiac was dying already. So, that'll do it for today. 
I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. And if you do are interested in a Pontiac Aztec, they're apparently only going for like 3000 bucks. But I wouldn't advise it. Let's just say you're not exactly like the cool kid pulling on the bach in this pile of junk. Anyways, if you own an Aztec, I do apologize for bashing on your car. And if you don't own an Aztec, well, consider yourself lucky. Have a great day and a wonderful night, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>